Have you ever had the privilege to work with truly inspirational leaders? So the difference between a great leader and a bad one? What do the former do differently from the latter? And what's the impact of the leadership quality on the work-life quality of their employees? What are the costs that bad leadership lead to for an organization? And how can leadership be improved to impact the work-life quality of their employees? Join me after the intro for a conversation with a very special friend with whom we will answer this and many more questions. Stay tuned. Do you feel stuck in your life? Do you feel unhappy but not completely sure what that is? Do you hold a grudge towards someone for something they did which affects you and the way you live your life? Have you ever told someone I forgive you, but in reality you were not completely over what happened. Why is it so difficult to truly forgive? How do we forgive? And can anything and anyone be forgiven? Hi, my name is Rosanna D and I'm the host of the Forgiven Tribe Show. This is a safe and not judgmental place for sharing opinions and challenging experiences where the practice of forgiveness helped individuals to get unstuck and create a much more fulfilling life than they had before. Join me in this exciting journey to unveil how you too can have the life you deserve. Simply click the subscribe button below to receive notification about future episodes. Welcome to the Forgiven Try Show. I've been working for the same international organization for almost 17 years. When I got the job, I was so happy because it's a really high profile world leading center in my field. I used to express that happiness with singing on my short walk to the office every single morning. A few years later, I switched from singing in the morning to singing in the evening on my way back home. At some point, I stopped singing altogether. And then four or five years ago, I burned out. I remember a conversation during a dinner party a few years ago when someone said, I don't care what happens at work. What matters to me is my time with family and friends. I couldn't disagree more. And my story is a proof of it. Yes, of course, family and friends are come high in our priority list, but we cannot unfortunately compartmentalize different aspects of our life as much as we try because one will pour into the other and vice versa, particularly when there are problems or we are unhappy about the, how things are going. But who moves our cheese at work? Who is, can be, or should be accountable for smooth operations? Well, we can argue that we are all responsible for it and co-creators, but I would argue also that a lot starts at the top. So today we want to talk about leadership. What makes a leadership a good one, or even perhaps a great leadership? One that supports a higher quality work life for everyone. And we dive into this topic with today's guest, Kim Laughlin. Kim is an experienced professional with a background in business and over 20 years of experience in recruiting human resources and training in a corporate setting. She is skilled in developing and maintaining productive and harmonious relationships through effective communication 
and focusing on creating a balanced culture. As a former head of HR, she understands the importance of understanding oneself and building a foundation of communication skills to promote trust within the organization, starting with the leadership. Hi, Kim, welcome to the Forgiven Try Show. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. My pleasure. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. No, thank you. I'm really excited about this uh, topic uh, because as I mentioned in, in the little introduction, uh, it's very dear to me. And uh, I, I started singing on my way to the office, then I switched to the evening, and then I stopped altogether. And I think it's uh, an experience that many people go through, mm -hmm. and perhaps not singing, but uh, that, that sort of uh, honeymoon period when that finished, it can last uh, perhaps even several years, and something happens at, at some point. So I'm really excited to dive into that. But I would like to start with you first and understand yeah. a little bit more about your journey in particular, how you moved from corporate America into become a coach and in particular a leadership coach. Yeah, um, well, you know, I, I, when I began my journey as head of HR, it came with a relationship outside as a vendor with that organization. And I got to know them, I really got to like them. They offered me a job and I thought it was during the recession back in the early 2000s. And I thought, you know, this is probably a good time to make a shift. My daughters were getting older. I, they were in school, so I felt better about being back into the corporate office. I took a little time to work out of the house and full commission, you know, recruiting and all that. And to, just to make it work is to be the best mom I could. And so when I took the HR job, um, it was a rather small company, like 50, 60 employees. And the first couple of days were wonderful. But what I realized was after a couple of days, what they needed me to do to exit certain employees was they waited. And this is not a judgment. It's just we don't always know how to handle some things. Um, and as I learned about their culture and how the toxicity was there, it was quite palpable. And to kind of fast forward, what I thought was an, oh my gosh, what have I done moment, it turned out to be a blessing because what I learned there was we don't need to be unhappy until we retire. Some of us don't make it to retirement. If we do make it to retirement, maybe there's an illness that doesn't get us to a point where we can enjoy that retirement. Why not enjoy the 40 years that you have to work until you get there? And... I realized a lot of ups and downs, things that I learned daily at that job, things I could have done better, things I knew I could do well. And the one thing I, one thing I did do really well, um, if I might be so boastful, is talking to the people, learning about them, what was making them tick, but what was making them miserable, what was making them happy. And what I realized was leadership, if it's a good leadership, things can go really well. If it's not good leadership, whether it's um, a want or don't want to do, or they need to learn, um, it can make everyone miserable. So you can sing on your way to work, but when you get to work, you go, right? Um, and or you sing to get yourself back up from work. Why not sing at work, right? Even if it's to yourself. So when it was time after 10 years to they wanted to grow to another level. And I said, you know what? Don't take me with you. 
I love you and it was a great experience, but I, I think I want to take this on the road. And that's how I started for the last 10 years doing leadership training and development from the umbrella of communication and culture improvement. Wow, that's a, a really beautiful journey because it comes from a, a personal experience. Mm -hmm. you, you started really from, from the field. So today we talk about this improved leadership and how that can impact everybody's life uh, at work. Let's start with what is the current typical situation. So the good, the bad, and the ugly about a typical leadership. And understanding that obviously every single situation is different. So that there right. might, but there, there might be some also some common denominators, right? Yes. Yes. There are great leaders out there. And those are the ones that shine, even make the news, or the ones that you remember, but don't even know what job it was that you were doing, right? But unfortunately, there is a larger common leadership trait that is that needs a little bit of work, right? It needs a little bit of boost. And that leadership trait is, what can my team do for me, right? How do I get my team to? And you fill in the blanks. Um, it's very tactically oriented. It's not people oriented. And what may have been working or the thought was working over the past has really changed over the last, mm, I would say 10 years or, or maybe even longer, but for me, it's been over the last 10 years. And the common is come in, do your job, a little micromanaging or a lot of micromanaging not really seeing the person as whom they are. Who is this person? Um, it's what can they do and are they doing everything they're supposed to do, but not who they are and who they need to be. So that element has been slowly working its way into some of those more rigid in environments. But there are a lot of leaders out there, I'm gonna give credit where credit is due, where they're seeing it, they're noticing it, they understand what they need, to have happen, but they don't always know how to do it. It's a yeah. little bit too rigid. Yeah. Th th that's very interesting because right now I'm in a conversation with the, the organization and after a burnout, I went through a, a very difficult time. And as soon as I restarted on a, a low number of hours, I realized that a lot of the dynamics that were happening before were still happening. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I spent a lot of time trying to heal from them, but I wasn't completely healed. So those dynamics were pushing me back into that journey. So at some point, I, I said, well, you know, this situation has to stop in somehow. So either I move away from this organization or I stay there and I work from the inside to change the, the things because I might move to another organization and find a very similar uh, sort of dynamics. So right. um, I start talking with HR and with the director of my department, with my section head, and said, well, you know, this is what I noticed. This is what happened to me. This is how much it impacted me. This is the cost for the organization. This is when I remove myself and all the emotions, this is the gap that I can see and that we might need to fill so that this situation doesn't happen again in the future. And to my surprise, I, I would have thought that 
everyone would have jumped straight in into that. Yeah, let's do it. But in fact, it took me two years, and only recently we came to an agreement that yes, they want to pursue that, and they are not perhaps 100% on it, but still they agreed on something. But it took me two years because, oh, we need the funding for everything that we are doing, and we need, you know, very strict, you know, your position is like this. You have a background as scientists, so we cannot really change you into something that is not scientists and it's it's something different. And being so tight is uh, uh, exactly, I think, what you were mentioning before, right? So we, we need to allow a little bit more for flexibility. But before going into what a good or great leadership looks like, what would you say, especially based on your experience in, in HR and now as a coach, what would you say are the consequences for people living with a, such a tight kind of leadership, uh, especially on the, uh, in their work life, and then how that can be translated? Because, again, we cannot leave the office and and leave all the problems there. Unfortunately, we take everything back home. So there are consequences that perhaps leaders don't see. But uh, how that affects one's life. So it's when I hear folks say, you know, I leave my, I just want to be able to leave my job at the door and, and, and just come home. And oftentimes, and I hope I'm not going off on a too much of a tangent here, but oftentimes it's folks from that went from a management role to an individual contributor role. They said, now I'm able to just punch out and I'm done. But what what is happening is we don't realize what is what transforms from the work into home and, and, and vice versa, by the way. We can't just leave everything at home and go to work and just be this robot. So when we don't pay attention to how it's affecting us. So stress, I know that is such a cliche word, but stress, I call good leadership the new worksite, well, it should be the worksite wellness, but I call it the new worksite wellness. Good leadership doesn't cause a lot of stress. They, they, they guide their people. But when you're not being guided, you have a voice. Bring it to, and this is something else I work with as far as staff is concerned, not just leadership. How to have that conversation without coming in argumentative, upset, emotionally driven, because those conversations don't always go well. How and what to expect from a conversation when you have something you want to discuss with a leader, HR, whatever the case may be. And this is what I did in HR. Okay, what I want to do is I want to help you. I want to arm you with the ability to have that difficult conversation with your manager. And also I had the manager, you know, guiding them as well on what issues you have. So start with trying to have a conversation but do it from a non-ego, non-emotional, if it's possible. And that's what makes it so hard because we are having frustrations and we feel like we're not being heard. So when people go in and they have this argumentative conversation, they feel like they're not being heard because they're not. The other person's like, oh, wait a minute, you're angry. And, and the brain doesn't even want to listen to that, even though the other person may be right. So what I do is I help don't just leave something because you don't like it. It might be a wonderful opportunity to stay and be part of the, the, the resolution and not just the problem. Do you contribute or do you contaminate? It, it, those are the two things you do. So I teach people, 
let's have the conversation. How would you say it? And there is a lot of emotional, a lot of high energy. I help them bring it down so that the brain can stay on task because when we get too upset about something, it's off the rails. So in order to make a difference while you're there, so you don't take it home, because what happens when you go home? You're thinking about all the things you should have, could have, would have done that you didn't do. I would rather you go home and think about the things you did do and how it could have gone better, right? Not the what ifs. I, I, I hope that answers the question. I, I, absolutely. I, I, I love that. And uh, I agree with you. You know, if you want to make a change, you have to sit at the table and uh, stay there. And uh, I, I agree that emotions uh, is uh, or keeping emotions at bay is probably one of the toughest things that you can do, especially during those uh, uh, very heated uh, kind of meetings. But it's the only way to communicate in a way that the other person can relate to. And um, yeah, listening, uh, that's another big part of uh, of the same coin uh, of communication. We always think that communication is just talking, but it's, sometimes it's more... It absolutely is listening. Yeah. So the, the HR folks, those, those folks in the receiving end of that conversation, so I teach how to listen. So that would it, it, you don't have to like what they're saying, but you do have to hear it. You have to absorb it. You have to kind of read between those lines. What's really going on? And so I deal with leadership to open these up a little bit more than they probably have been. Um, do a little bit less of this. And you don't have to agree, but the more you listen, truly listen to someone, they will feel valued. And you've already made the first step to good leadership by just doing that alone. So I'm glad you, you, you brought that up. It's a good point. Fantastic. So are, are there sort of uh, uh, characteristics or pillars that we can identify for a great leadership? Yeah. Okay. So this is the tough part about leadership. Um, when I, I'm going to just start with when I used to interview thousands of people and they would say, I want to be in management someday. And the first question I would ask is why? Why do you want to be in manage management? And they couldn't answer the question sufficiently for the roles that they were looking for. And when I say that, it, it's, not, it's not about bias or anything like that. It's for the role they couldn't, they wanted to be able to tell somebody what to do if I could bring it down to layman's terms. So I didn't hear grow the team. I want to grow people to be, you know, engaged and love their job and I want to be that person that is part of that journey with them. That's the kind of stuff that people, when they truly want to be in management, be a good leader. So the pillars are, are you empathetic? Are you self-aware? And do you know how to communicate? And if you don't, are you coachable to being open to all of those things? Now, we don't have to like the bad characteristics about ourselves, right? Because we always, our ego wants to be right but does it really ever want to do the right thing? So definitely empathetic people or learn to be, you don't have, some people are not coachable with empathy, but most people are, they have to be self-aware or be coachable to that and just be openly coachable period um, and not take everything so personal because it's about their self-development. And um, that's the first thing I start off with with my one-on-one -on -one coaching um, services because this is confidential, it's unbiased, no judgment. Let's just find out who you are. And the ones that succeed are the ones that are totally open to change, 
to truly do the job they're meant to do. So, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely love that. So what would be the mindset then that a potential good leader has to have? You mentioned already coachable. Are there other mm-hmm. aspects that they need to bring to the table where you can say, okay, this, has, this is good material, this I can work with and can potentially become really a great leader? And this other person, as much as we try, perhaps the, the material is just not there. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to kind of give an example of both. So there was, there was one client I had um, over a couple of years just kept saying, my team gets me. They know what I need. They know how to make me look good. That ego, that, that narcissism, and I hate using that word, but it, that's the only way to really kind of encompass that as opposed to that person that says, I'm here to serve. Now, think about that. A leader serving is very, very counterintuitive to a lot of people. But when they say, how do I serve my team? Right? And does their leader serve them? So it's very, it's palpable from one layer down to the next. And it's very cyclical. It can happen. So you learn from your mentor, your leader, Right, or if you can't learn from them, then you help coach up, and that's a different other technique that we can can learn to do. And it's it's not about being right; it's about helping a situation when someone else can't do it for themselves. So it's about serving your team. What can you do for them, as opposed to what can they do for me? Those are the two different types that are. I, I absolutely love that because uh, when I became. A, a, a manager, team leader uh, at work. I I didn't know what a team leader had to do. Um, funny enough, I wasn't even put in a, a training. So I was there, literally sweating. I said, oh my God, what am I going to do? I mean, imposter syndrome was <laughs> at the highest level ever. And the only thing I could come up with is if I can create the right environment for all the people I work with to do their work, I can be happy with my own job and with what I've done. And, and I, I think it's uh, very much in line with, with what you're saying, is uh, making sure that everybody is, has that uh, peace, peace of mind. You know, it's not just technical and have everything that they need to do the work, but it's really the peace of mind to do the work. Yes, yes. And to know each and every individual, you know, what makes them, what makes them who they are. And um, some folks have said, I don't have the time for that. I'm like, you can't afford not to. That's your job. And so it'd be interesting to, for you, like you just said, how do I create an environment for everyone to feel productive and want to be here? Mm-hmm. Now, there are a lot of behaviors that happen that are red flags. And I had posted something not too long ago is, you have a chronic person that calls out, yes, PTO is there for reason, the time off that they take and they get paid for. But there's a demarcation where someone is just doing it to not be at work all the time. You know, that the open door policy that doesn't get used. Those are just the top couple that I, I have um, had to discuss with clients. They don't trust you. How do you create an environment of trust? You can open the door, but if they don't come in, it's your job to go find out why. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I love that. And uh, questioning where the issue really is and, and very often the, the issue is really at the top and uh, it's the manager or the leader that is not creating those those conditions for others to feel comfortable even in, in expressing themselves. Right. So I mentioned training uh, a moment ago. What would you say is good training? What is missing in the typical training that a leader or I don't like to use the word manager. Uh, it feels like ticking box. Uh, so <laughs> we continue using the word leader. But what would be a good training based also on my experience? I really struggle with, for example, my, my section at some point, I realized that didn't have that training to be a section head. And the way she was uh, thinking and operating and taking decisions was the way of thinking of an expert in a specific field rather than a leader. And yeah. that affected me in so many, many ways. And it, it took me a very long time, a long reflection to get to that point of, of understanding, uh, which I have to say improved our relationship afterwards, but uh, for that period of time, it was very, very difficult. And I think that that was she wasn't prepared for the job or mm -hmm. prepared well enough for the job. What would mm -hmm. you say are good trainings um, or aspects that the training should include? So if someone's already in a leadership role, they've been promoted for their tactical skills, they might be a fantastic at what they do. And I don't knock that because it's typically why someone's promoted. When I was in HR, I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. number one, um, do they have the ability to have relationship, build relationships with their folks so they know how to engage and get them productive? We're all like that. I have two daughters. I do it differently with each. Each one needs to be engaged with differently. The other thing is knowing that they're not, it, when you're looking at just the Excel spreadsheet, when you're looking at just the time they came in and they left, when you look past them as their, um, their abilities to do the job, if you're not looking at who they are as a person, because you could simply walk in and say, good morning, how are you doing today? I noticed you were a little off. Everything okay? And, and something might be off and you don't want to talk about it and you go, I'm good. You don't have to talk about it, but at least in your mind, you knew that they cared enough to ask you how you are. And when you can't form relationships and learn how to do that as a leader, and it, just because something's very simple doesn't make it easy because you have habits and characteristics of yourself. You need to understand what to expect of each individual instead of having them expect what you expect of them. If that makes any sense. I had that difference. Like, Wait a minute, say that again. So don't just go in and think that your team knows you and gets you and knows what you expect. You need to form relationships. And if you can't form relationships on a social level, it, it's, it, it will probably not be as productive as it could be, or it could go very wrong. It seems to me that you are introducing uh, a topic very much related to traits, people, person traits. And we started talking just before the interview started about the typical alpha male 
leader that we have uh, in many organizations uh, today. And oh, I, I should say alpha female, I know a few of them as well. Um, instead of uh, the typical person that uh, uh, can have different traits, uh, more nurturing traits. Can yes. we talk about yeah. that? What do you think? Have you ever heard of, oh, I'm type A, I'm type A, I'm type A. And it's worn as a badge of honor. It's not so much a badge of honor all the time. So that might be the person that takes over the conversation in a room that doesn't listen, that is all eyes on me. I just want the numbers. Don't give me the story. Just give me what I need and, and go away. You know, and I'm being, that isn't like that for every type A person. But what I'm saying is when you're a dominant personality, you can often find yourself an island of your own. Those are the leaders I talk to that are very lonely at work. And this isn't, doesn't mean that work is a social event. What I'm saying is there is very little conversation outside of, this is what I expect, go do it, come back to me. Even with their leaders, okay? So people say, hey, I'm type A, this is how I like things done. That's okay, but it's a two-way street. So what are you doing for your team? So if they're not able to look past themselves, and I'm gonna use the word selfish, um, if they can't be look, move past that selfish frame of mind, they have the ability to make a lot of people very miserable at work. So some leaders, they don't know the job very well, but they really kind of get them, they get them engaged, they get them going. Yeah, that's true. There are some tactical skills that need to be known, but how do you really get your team moving? How do you motivate them? How do you want them to come to work? And those are the relationships that need you to go in get to know your folks, learn about the person and not just what they do. And it's, it, it, sometimes if someone's too stressed out because something's at home, at, at home that's going on that can be, look, we all have things going on in our lives. But if you understand that you can say, listen, you know what? I don't think you can be very productive today. Why don't you go home, get some rest, come back tomorrow, come back on Monday, whatever the case may be, and let's, let's, let's attack this then. Do you know how productive someone will be if they're given that break? Because their brain is not going to be productive. They can be at work and you're paying them to do nothing. So if you just have that emotional intelligence to understand that, you're, you're going to become that leader that no one wants to leave and that companies are going to be looking for. And you're making the difference in people's lives, not just a living to go to work. I think that's what's important. What has to change in uh, the way we look at that? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. to have that change at global level because it's almost obvious. You know, you, you are a person, I am a person. We, we, we interact as two human beings. But then when we are in the office, it's not that easy. So mm -hmm. what has to change for that to become the normal? Yeah. So that's a really interesting question. And I wonder if I have the answer for that. I'm not going to pretend that I do, but what I can say is when I get the most pushback, when I'm doing a speaking event, and I say, listen, if you're getting triggered by anything I say, then you and I have to have a conversation. And I see that body language go, and I know that they're struggling with that challenge. And so if, if the message is out there enough, if we hear about it enough, if I and I, I always say, please don't do attention-seeking behavior, but for your business, if you're doing something good, attention-seek all the way. Um, because when I'm in front of people and I tell them if they're getting triggered, 
by something. It's an insecurity within themselves. And I get that look of, then I know that there's an issue. So then they raise their hand and they start to defend, which is okay, that's natural, it's normal, it's a human nature thing. But when you can be brought an issue and make you go, what? I don't, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't agree with that. Once the issues are brought up, they keep showing up in the headlines, they keep showing up in my posts, and come talk to me, have, bring your challenge to me. This isn't about me telling you what you should do better. It's not about me telling you what you're doing wrong. It's not telling me what you're doing right. I'm not there to be your friend. I'm there to help you be a better leader. And what needs to change is just be open to the opportunity to hear something we don't like. In this day and age, that's a difficult thing to ask people. Just because we don't like it, just because it seems unbelievable, doesn't mean it's not true. And the more we know about ourselves, the better people we can be to not only have happiness in our lives, so we can sing all day long, not just before or after work, but really understand that happiness comes from within and how do we become accountable for ourselves and learn how to communicate with others on a regular basis and not attack and defend and shout and blame and all that stuff. Yes, there's some room for that sometimes when, with certain things, but in overall, we need to just look, turn the lens on ourselves so we can self-reflect and self-correct. I absolutely love what you're saying. And I would perhaps argue that this is not just needed for leaders, but it would be really needed for everybody in the organization right. because before I burn out, again, it's my personal experience, a lot of the difficult relationships that I had were caused exactly by that. So yes. it, it was a different energy with me talking about business and the other person talking personal and reflecting and projecting the problem they had on me. But because I, I didn't have that emotional intelligence perhaps, or that um, I wasn't coached to understand that. After three and a half years, it became personal. And, and with that, I burn out. So I think it's uh, the point that you just made is uh, absolutely vital for uh, any organization to create a good culture. So talking about culture, what else has to shift in the way we work together? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's a big question. So number one, I tell leaders, you can give things to your people, free lunch and all that. Stuff. And those are nice perks. Doesn't improve culture. It doesn't. It doesn't. A free lunch is nice, very temporary, lasts for about an hour, right? So I didn't have to bring my lunch or buy it, whatever. And I'm not knocking it. I think it's wonderful. But what has to happen in a culture is know that um, before I get so this is where, I, the, the one thing I'm going to ask people, there are many things, but the one thing I'm going to ask is, um, let's say you and I work together. The first time I go, Rosanna is, uh, if I start to feel that way, to stop reflecting, why am I being triggered by that behavior? And so if it's enough of an issue, if I go home and talk about it to somebody or complain to another coworker who's my captive audience about Rosanna and myself having an issue, right? To go in and say, hey, I'm going to go up to the person that I'm having the issue with and say, is there anything that I'm doing or not doing to cause this friction between us? Right? That's one question. 
very difficult for people to do because they don't want to own it and they don't want to have the conversation, but it's enough to complain about it and have it run in their minds when they go home. So I'm teaching them to get over that barrier. We do group training with the, with the employees, which I think is important to understand what your communication personality style is. What are some of the challenges that create the friction between you and another coworker and how to fix that? And honestly, if either one of you are not going to fix it and it's going to be that difficult, you got to go. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. And so it's about when you go to react, not respond, but react to someone, stop and think about truly why it is that you're upset with that person. Are you being defensive? Are you being insecure? Chances are the that's the case. I know it's a tough one to swallow because people yeah. go, no, 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 no. They're just a pain. And they go, mm-hmm, okay. But tr when I dig deep and peel those layers back, it's usually because they had a past experience that they refused to forgive or whatever the case may be. But yes, that other person could be very difficult, but there are ways to handle it, always. I absolutely love that as well. I mean, it, it's so difficult. You're, you, you're right. It's so difficult to ask that question. What, what is, uh, why am I having this uh, response to, to this person? And uh, we don't spend enough time questioning ourselves. We always question the other, the other person, the other behavior. Uh, they did this, they said that. And never, why am I responding like, like this? Could it and be? The ironic thing is you'll get the answers if you ask yourself. You won't get the answers if you're thinking about it from other folks. So it's, it's, it's a fruitless attempt to, to get past something. And um, it, it's always a contentious conversation to a degree because getting someone over the hump of, of realizing that they have the ability to control themselves. Um, and then it can be a, an easier way to, to coach and get to a resolution. But people are, they, it's, um, our ego gets in the way, it takes center stage and we just have to move it over to the side sometimes. Yeah, absolutely, I, I love that. Do you think that it's a sort of responsibility of employees to keep the leaders uh, accountable for their own action or they should just, you know, we have this idea of the pyramid and if you are uh, at the bottom of it, you just do your work. Um, your leaders are meant to lead. Um, so is part of the responsibility of being in that organization, also the responsibility of taking people accountable, your leaders accountable for their own action and call them off. Yeah, so I would say that the, it, the onus is on the leader. However, it is a two-way street. So if you have a group of employees, let's say, and this, I've had this conversation so, so, so many times, but they're like, I don't, I don't quite know how to do it because they're kind of, they sign my paycheck. Well, I think from an, a conscious state of mind, they're thinking going in with, with an argument. You can start by saying, hey, listen, um, I, I just wanted to kind of, I, I just feel like I, I, can I ask a few more questions so I can do the job that I best can do? Because I feel like I'm not understanding certain things. Could you please explain this further? Could you please, and coach up to a degree. So when I go into an organization, I don't take a contract unless the leaders are part of it. They have to be part of it. But the employees are also part of it because yes, the, it is a two-way street. It isn't just the leaders, 
but it is mostly, it, they need to lead by example. But while they're working on that, the employees know what to expect. Okay, Kim's really working on that. She's trying to be a good leader. I'm going to do this. They have to be given permission to show their concerns, but also do it in a very professional way. Some people walk in and go, this isn't working for me. And then it's this high energy argument. That doesn't work. But if they're trained to go in, have that conversation, the leader understands that that will happen. People are going to come in. Kim, you're going to have people coming too. And you have to be open to that. If you start taking it personally, realize why it's happening, but they need to be able to talk to you. They need to trust you. That's not right. That's not there right now. That needs to get better. Um, so there are ways of having that conversation, knowing how to express their concerns and how to follow up to make sure that they're doing the best that they can and to contribute to the culture as well. One of the aspects that contributes to the uh, culture is having or not toxic people around. And mm -hmm. I, I guess uh, all organizations have that one or two elements to deal with. First of all, how a person shows up as toxic in a work environment, what are the characteristics, but also how do we deal with that, both yeah. as an employee, so a kind of peer, colleague, as a manager? Yeah. Okay, so we'll start with the peer, because that I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's a little easier. So what happens is I, I'm with an organization, I'm only there a month, I don't know, or whatever, however long. Um, but someone's been there. They're good at what they do. They're a producer. They have some narcissistic tendencies or they're highly insecure, which is sometimes one and the same. And they talk over you in a meeting or they answer you abruptly in an email or they do something that's disrespectful. They talk about it, whatever the case may be. But you, I kind of use that magic sent a question earlier hey can I talk is there anything that I've done or not done to create this friction between us now the narcissistic or the toxic person might go I don't know what you're talking about well I don't know maybe it's just me but it's like the other day when you kind of were talking over me it's I'd love that you know stuff but I, I did have something to say and it, it's not a big deal but I just I, before it goes any further I really want to make sure that this gets better. Now, this is the part no one does. They don't want to lean into this conversation. So they'll go to HR and say, hey, listen, Kim is being a jerk. She's just, I can't even, I can't. She drives me crazy, right? Um, so I always say approach very kindly, very, how would you want to be approached if, if you were doing something that you may or may not be aware of? Hey, you know what? My daughters will say, hey, mom, you know, the other day I was trying to talk to you and you, were, you weren't really listening. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. My ego wanted to say, I'm the mother you, you know, uh, you, you, I say you do. That's, that's not what works. So to ask kindly and to show that you have some contribution to make it work. What is it that I'm doing or not doing that I can make this better, right? Well, in the email, you, you, you never respond to my emails. What, what is it that's not in the email? I, I needed that information and I never get it. And I just wanted to know why. So does it have to go smoothly? It doesn't always go smoothly, and I'm not going to promise it does. But the other person is now made aware. Now, if it doesn't happen, you go to the HR, you go to the authorities that you need to and say, look, Kim is just so difficult, and the team just, we can't get anything done. Okay? 
I would use that same technique with your manager or leader. What is it? Is there anything that I can do that we can get more productive? For me, I like to ask a lot of questions. I'm sorry. I know that might be a little annoying, but I, I have to get the data before I can go do the work that needs to be done so I can fully understand. Is that okay? No one's ever going to say no to that. So leaders, they may not give you the answer you want, but you, all you're looking for at the very first step is awareness on their side. And if that doesn't change, now you have to go to HR. So I was there because I was in HR. I had it all the time and I would guide, but I would also expect the leader to make the change as well. Because one person is all it takes as a toxic talent to make everybody miserable. But the sad thing is, is most of the time, even though they're a high producer, they cost the company more than they bring in. But there isn't a line item on an invoice to prove that. It's when they lose good talent. People are leaving left and right. The ones that know they're good and have something to offer are the ones that leave. You, leave, you lose the good ones. I have replaced so many good members of the team in the past where I got, something's got to change. And that was my catalyst to really paying attention to leadership. So it's a little bit more complicated than a simple answer, but that's what I would offer at first, at first. Yeah, I, I like what you're saying. There are uh, lots of uh, uh, little nuggets in, in there. First of all, don't let the situation escalate. Try to address as soon as uh, you see the problem uh, coming. Uh, but I also like what you said, that it takes one person to really make an environment that is potentially all right, into a toxic one. Can it, can it be also the other way around when there is one person with very good intention that can sort of sanitize uh, the environment? Yes. So I use an analogy when I do speaking events, and I have in the past, is the, the two things on this earth that give us life can also kill us. It's water and air. Too much of either one, not good. If we don't have enough of either one, not good. So as much as a toxic person can make things miserable and it only takes one, it can only take, it. all it needs is one person to make things better. It's not that difficult. But what I've seen, and not but what I've seen, but and what I've seen is they, they do need to be in a leadership role to make that change because they have the ears of the 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 board, the higher ups, or whatever the case may be. And that might be the HR person, or that might be the best employee ever in the whole company that they don't want to lose. But there are a few things going on that we've got to pay attention to this. And the cost of turnover, if they have HR and recruiting, will know what those line items are. So leaders can go to them and say, hey, listen, who's losing the most people and why? You know, is it me? Oh my gosh, what's the last thing I want to hear? But if I care enough to ask, then I'm going to want to know and make things better. So yes, one can make things miserable, but it can take one to make things amazing. I, I love that. And actually you mentioned this turnover and the costs of toxic people to the organization. And very often these toxic people are also very productive in their own uh, job. Yes. But not as much as the cost of losing all the other people around is for the organization. For my experience, however, there is no direct 
monitoring or tracking of the indirect cost, if you like. So you know how much that person produces that, you know, you, you can evaluate that uh, with all the appraisal, all the reviews, but at the same time, you don't know how many people leave because of, of, of them. How do you track that from an HR perspective? What sort of tools can, can you have and put in place? Well, so um, from an HR perspective and more of a procedural perspective, I'm gonna step away from the, the people thing for a moment. There are procedures, so document the complaints because just people coming in and complaining about Sally being difficult, it's not enough. But we also have a liturgical issue. Like we can't just let people go for the heck of it um, because they might get sued. So there are so many elements that HR is really cautious of. But if you do your job right, if you track properly, if there are good performance evals and from a merit as well as behavioral and not once a year, not even twice a year, minimally, quarterly, best, monthly. And so a lot of people go, oh my gosh, monthly. It's a smaller version of the performance eval, but you're not forgetting that they were horrible six months ago, but they were really great a month ago. So that the brain only remembers what it likes to remember. Kim was amazing, but we forgot that six months ago she made five people leave because she wasn't very nice. Mm -hmm. So I always say, number one, have a decent performance evaluation, do a 360 um, degree survey within the organization that is from um, leadership all the way, all the way around in the staff. And as much as I would say it shouldn't be anonymous, it, people aren't going to answer honestly unless it is anonymous and take those, that feedback by and large as a tool to produce and, and, and improve the culture, not a way for people to be attacked. It's not about that. So people want things, they want to be happy when they go to work. No one wants to be miserable for the whole day. No one, no one does. Um, you know, I said this at a, at a seminar once and I, I, I had two people run out after me and this isn't about getting business, but it was, they said, I need to hire you. This is what I said. You can love what you do, but if you don't like whom you work with or whom you work for, your peripheral vision will be open all the time to finding a new job and you won't be there 100%. You won't be as productive as you need to be. However, if you love whom you work with or for, you'll do a job you don't necessarily love because we are social beings. And once we have that, we get under that understanding, we can do all day long, but if we don't like who we are with, you don't do it in your social life. I mean, if you hang around people you don't like all the time, I mean, that's a different conversation, but most people don't, right? You're not going to spend time with people you can't stand. But you have to when you go to work because you have to make a paycheck. So this is where I'm saying that procedurally have a survey, have documentation about Kim, so-and-so came in, and not just a complaint. It's not just a form for complaint. It is a way to document and see consistency within. Give people the ability to trust HR or a leader to go in and talk about their challenges, their angst, their, their wonderfulness too, you know, not just problems, but you want somewhere to go where you need to be heard. And that's where that listening piece comes back in. I absolutely love that as well. Um, would you say that uh, normally when we do the, the appraisal, uh, we always go top bottom. 
does it make sense to go the other way around for people at, at the bottom to sort of review their leaders? That's what the 360 is for. And I always recommend, please implement that. There are so many people out there that are wonderfully specialized in it. I can do it too, but I, I'll, I'll send it out so that it's, it's outside of even my, my vision. I have someone come in, do a good 360, and we get the data, and we can work from there too, especially with a larger organization. So important, so important. Fantastic. Kim, I'm starting to work uh, at this uh, idea that I have to improve the situation. So um, the, the, the main mission, if you like, is nobody will ever burn out at work the way I did. So trying to uh, address all sort of situations where it's clarity, we try to make everything more clear, um, where it's procedure, we include procedure. But a lot of that has to do with uh, education on mm. uh, uh, lots of aspects, uh, relational um, aspects, relationships-related uh, uh, topics. One of the aspects that I would like to introduce is the concept of compassion. What do you think about that? And is yeah. there a need for compassion at work? That's, if I can say it, hell yes, 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 yes. Such a need for compassion. And that comes into, it's not that you, it, what I think people say is, uh, I got to worry about everybody's life and what they, I can't, I, no, just have compassion for the person, understand, get to know them. You don't have to be responsible for their life. You just have to know who they are. Have compassion when they come in and they're not themselves. Have compassion with, without automatically thinking something horrible about the person, that they're not, they're trying to be difficult. But no one, well, there are people that are trying to be difficult, but for the most part, I'm not going to come in shouting off the rooftops that my dog died and I'm, I'm heartbroken. Maybe I'm going to go sit down, be sad, and, and do my thing. Um, have compassion for people. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Give them an opportunity to come and talk about it. You're not their therapist. I get that. But you, it is your job as a leader and a peer, I got to be honest, to just know that they're still a person that needs to be heard, seen, and cared for in and outside of work. Compassion is so important. So important. Absolutely. And I would argue that sometimes we carry a lot of baggage with us. Um, yeah. You know, there, there might be a trauma that perhaps we are aware or we are not aware. And, and some of these situations may really affect. And yeah. I think everyone has the right to uh, privacy on, on this topic. So I don't necessarily need to explain, you know, everything that I went through. But at the same time, I probably need a little bit of compassion on your side is, you know, some behaviors yes. perhaps, uh, you know, may upset you. So come to me and say, well, are you okay? Right. It goes back, I guess, to what you were saying before, you know, the questioning. Yeah. You don't have to tell someone the story, but if someone says, hey, listen, are you, you good? Okay. Well, it, if, if you want to talk, I'm here. Like, just come, come let me know. They may never come to you. But just knowing that someone understands that you're probably not at your best, 
we are, like I said, we're social beings. We like when people like us, but we, we can't, now we can't do wonderful things for everybody, but just have your basic few areas of compassion. I mean, that's an, an emotional intelligence. Just be there for somebody. Hey, listen, do you want me to take those calls right now? I mean, I, I, why don't you go outside, take a breath. Uh, let, me, let me handle the calls. It's this much offer for this much result because all you did was care. Fantastic. But when things go wrong, then how do we let all these emotions that we might create, like anger, resentment, uh, because the relationship was a little bit not on, on good terms, how can let can we let them uh, go uh, go away? And yeah. in, in that sense, I would like to ask you what you think about forgiveness. Uh, that just to say the big word, right? I want people to know that forgiveness isn't giving someone else a pass. Forgiveness is giving you the ability to stop being angry about something that you can't control. Forgive them for their insecurity. And I'm, you're not judging. Forgive them for their unintended ignorance. Forgive them for the anger that they came to work with and took out on you. Because once you do that, and it's not easy for people, and I get that. You know, I had to forgive someone from my childhood. And I, for years, I was like, I'm not going to forgive. Because I felt like it was like, okay, you keep doing what you're doing. No, 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 no. Forgiveness is just letting go of it it inside of you and just know that it's their thing, not yours. Yes, you felt the effects of it, but you're, it's not your issue. And people say, well, they're making it my issue. No, you're making it your issue. So forgive them so that it lets go of your anger. And maybe someday when you do give that forgiveness, you'll be able to have that conversation with them and they just might share with you something that you didn't know about them that you go, my gosh, I'm so sorry I didn't know. How many times do we say that in our lives? Because we didn't forgive. Absolutely. I, I, I love that. You know, I'm aware of the time, so I would like to come back yes. to you for a yes. moment. What are you working on? Is there anything that you would like to share with us? Yeah. So I'm doing a number of speaking events and getting in front of a, a bunch of leaders to just bring this awareness. I have started a, a mastermind for leaders um, one per organization, so they have autonomy, um, to come and talk about their people issues and have a place to work out the challenges, have some homework and accountability from me so they can get through it. And I believe you're going to provide a link for that mastermind if they're interested in looking into it. Or you can go on my website at www.culturalapexcoach.com and contact me and just let's have a conversation and, and see what's going on and how I could possibly help you. But yeah, I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission. <laughs> the lady is on a mission. Yeah. Well, we'll put all the links in the description of today's episode so everyone can find you on the other side. Now, very final question. If there was one take-home message that you would love everybody to remember from this conversation, what that would be? Yeah. Do it for somebody else when, you, when you're getting frustrated. Do something for somebody else whether it's a team member, a manager, or a manager doing for their, their staff, do something for somebody else. I promise you, you'll get better and feel better. 
Wow, that's absolutely beautiful. Well, it ties very well with today's quote, which is from Albert Einstein, who said, the leader is one who, out of clutter, brings simplicity, out of discord, harmony, and out of difficulty, opportunity. Being a leader is not an easy task. It takes hard work, courage, and risk-taking. But I hope that this episode has provided insights and information to present an any aspiring leaders, who they need to be, and how they can promote high quality of work life for happy, efficient, and productive employees. So Kim, thank you so much for your expertise, for everything that you brought to this uh, conversation. I really enjoy every single moment. Thank you. It was my pleasure. I had a wonderful time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, we would love to know what you think about this topic. Do you or anybody you know are dealing with a poor quality work life or have questions perhaps that we didn't address today? If so, let us know, get in touch. And also don't forget to check Kim's website to follow her on social media and to get in touch with her. We, we will put all the links in the description of today's episode. Hopefully not, but if you have been affected in any way by the topic we discussed today, as always, I invite you to seek professional help. Join me next time when we will continue exploring inspiring and challenging situations. Because remember, we are together in this journey. Remember, forgiveness is like a muscle. The more you practice, the stronger and more effective it becomes. If you haven't done it yet, you can subscribe by clicking the subscribe button below. If you know anybody who could benefit from the topics discussed in this show, do some good and share the link with them. If you have a story that you want to share with us, comments or suggestions on topics you would like to be explored, send me an email at forgiventrive at gmail.com. Reviews will also be very much appreciated. And with this, it's a wrap. Till next time, thank you and goodbye.